Okay, good morning, Story family, here in the Museum District of Houston, Texas. Also, good morning to those of you joining us online, wherever you are in the world. We're glad you're a part of the story right now. Our Timber Grove campus has uh, live preaching today. Pastor Kale's preaching over there, so I don't need to welcome them. But I want to say hi to all of you. Thanks for being here. Hey, if we don't know each other yet, um, I'm Eric. I'm the lead pastor here. And and if you're new here, I just really want to say hello and, and thank you for joining us. Um, you know, checking out a church can be an awkward experience. We all understand that. It can be especially difficult when you get soaking wet coming in uh, from the rain. Uh, so sorry for our lack of an awning and a parking lot this morning. But uh, thank you for braving the elements and, and getting in here. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty extraordinary time. Uh, for the story, it has been an extraordinary season, but we're sort of, um, we're reaching the culmination of it now, and I'm going to talk some about that today and some about the journey that we've been on, rather than just the destination we're arriving to. I want to talk about the journey we've been on and how it's prepared us for the destination. So in a couple of different ways today, we are reaching the end of an era, and uh, in a more minute kind of way, we're reaching the end of this era that we have called Physician and the Facts, which has been a 22-part message series uh, that is, has been a journey through the Gospel of Luke. Today, we reach the end of that journey with part 23 of 22. So, as I <laughs> mentioned last Sunday, uh, 22 just wasn't enough, so we're going to keep going and uh, do one more, uh, and uh, there's just one more thing we had to talk about, and it's, it happens to be a thing that everybody forgets to talk about enough when we think about Jesus and his journey on earth. And so uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But in another way, it's also the end of an era, kind of, for our church. As uh, we are this Tuesday morning approved to close on the deal for uh, the acquisition of our new um, home at 3223 Westheimer Road. So if all goes according to plan and uh, the economy doesn't crash or anything between the, now and Tuesday morning, we are going to, for the first time in our church's life, become homeowners instead of renters. So congratulations. So I've been, I've been thinking a lot, uh, a lot about this, this journey that we've been on together and, and sort of what it's been like and the highs and the lows of it. And I also want you to be thinking not just about your church, if this is your church, not just about the journey your church has been on, but I want you to try and get some perspective today regarding the journey of your life so far, the parts you are happiest about, the high points that you look back on and go, those were the days, or maybe the low points when you look back and wonder, where was God? I want you to sort of bring all that with you into this conversation today. I'm going to do something a little bit different than I normally do when I preach. Is I just want to start with a prayer. So would y'all pray with me? God, as we reach a change in our trajectory as a church, as we turn the page on this long journey through the Gospel of Luke that's been so formative for so many of us and for our church, and as many of us in this room are in various ways turning pages on various seasons in our lives along the journey, God, we just pause to take stock and to give you thanks. Even in the dark and difficult times, we have something to be grateful for. So open our eyes and hearts to that today. 
And uh, Lord, just as we get ready to, uh, to dig into today's message, I pray for openness of heart and mind for whatever decision there is to make at the end of this particular journey. This journey through the gospel of Luke has shown us so much about who you are and who you call us to be, God. How can we not come to a point at the end of this where we make a decision about you and our life in you? And so give us boldness and courage to make a decision and a commitment in some form or fashion, even though many of us are commitment-phobic, we confess, Lord, we want to be fully present and aware of the consequences and circumstances around us right now as we reach the end of this series. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So there's no uh, study guide today or anything. The, the last passage we're going to read in a moment is, uh, is, are the last words of the Gospel of Luke. You can take a Bible in your, in your chair back and turn there if you'd like. It's four verses. We're going to read, there, read it in just a moment. But they are four oft-forgotten, very powerful verses about the life of Jesus on the earth. But as I've been taking stock myself about my own journey as a pastor, many of you know I was a pastor before I was a Christian. Uh, I know it's a little strange to hear, but it's possible and it's pretty common actually um, but for over a decade, I was um, preaching and leading a church without believing in some of the basics of Christianity, like the resurrection, bodily resurrection of Jesus and things like that, until he got a hold of me in 2013. And, and all the unlikely series of events that have led to this moment in my life and wherever it's going after this, you know, it's just so, it's a massive thing to get your head around like your whole life's journey. And I've been thinking about our church life together for the last eight years and the journey we've been on. And some of you have been around for like eight minutes. Others of you, maybe eight months. Some of you, though, have been around for most of the last eight years. And you know more about the journey we've been on together, the, the highs and the lows. And you're just as amazed as I am that we sit where we are now on the precipice of closing on this incredible home um, back in our home neighborhood in River Oaks. All of it is just incredible. But it all began in somewhat like, humble circumstances, our first service in 2015 was uh, at the Armadillo Palace on Kirby. And I took a selfie just so you knew I was telling the truth. This is me in the Armadillo that day. Look how young I look. I look a lot younger than just eight years younger. So something has happened in the last eight years uh, <laughs> to age me faster than I should have. Okay. Uh, so it's been an incredible, uh, wonderful, stressful eight years ever since that day, but mostly, mostly wonderful as I look back. Not always easy, but man, after this day, we, for the next seven years or so, we were meeting at uh, the campus of our mother church, St. Luke's, and we're forever eternally grateful for the kindness of that loving congregation. The people that call St. Luke's home are some of the best, and we'll always be grateful in the next seven years. Just what really comes to mind is how the Holy Spirit just took over. So before COVID and all that craziness, like in the middle of River Oaks, we would close services and there would be lines of people to come be baptized or to remember their baptism or to commit their life to Jesus or recommit their life to him. And the, the Holy Spirit would just take over in those moments at the end of services, again, in the middle of River Oaks, which I don't know if you're familiar with Houston yet. You may not know this. River Oaks kind of a buttoned down part of town, right? Like it's a little bit hard. Sometimes the Holy Spirit must be like, come on, guys. <laughs> but we don't like letting go, right? And, uh, and that, that part of town where we, where we were born and raised, it, it's, uh, 
It's a little bit like that, you know, and, and a lot of parts of town are like that. It's nothing against, you know, that particular part of town, but, but the Holy Spirit didn't really care whether we wanted to be moved or not. He just moved, and many of us were moved with him, swept up in it, and, and the, the, it wasn't just the numbers, but what really got me were the numbers of people that I had the privilege of baptizing, and, and I was looking back at some of these images of baptisms, like um, just one after the other, um, really hundreds of baptisms um, that I had the privilege of, of uh, playing a part in in our first uh, five, six, seven years, um, hundreds of baptisms and hundreds more people that just came and said, I want to follow Jesus, but I'm already baptized or whatever. Some incredible, incredible memories at the ends of those services when I would give an invitation and people would respond. Um, it wasn't always like great, okay? So we had incredible turnout most of the time. We even had moments where we ran out of chairs, which is every pastor's love language is running out of chairs. Um, but we also had some moments, some days where we set up Way too many chairs <laughs> because no one came. And uh, I remember one, one event in particular where we were simulcasting this event with this famous speaker. He was speaking on the campus of Rice University, but we were offered the opportunity to simulcast. And we set up 450 chairs in the gymnasium at the, the, the Mother Church back in River Oaks. And 12 people came. And those were the 12 people who set up the 450 chairs. <laughs> and it was it was embarrassing, you know? It was humiliating. We had, we had pumped up that event up so much and nobody cared to come and, and there we were sort of, you know, um, sitting with that. But uh, it was a mixed bag. It was good, it was bad, the best of times, worst of times, you know? And then, uh, and then right before COVID, uh, January of 2020 at that point was our most momentous month, the biggest numbers and, and running out of chairs and all that stuff, it was great. But then COVID hit, and I don't remember much after that. From 2020 through 2021, it's just a blur. Just, I think I just, as a coping mechanism, I just sort of had an out-of-body experience for like a year and a half and just got through it. Like a lot of people, you just got through it. We weren't worshiping in person for eight months, um, and you know we were under some of the restrictions of, of being a part of the United Methodist Church at that time, and sort of uh, everybody was afraid. Everybody was was really, a lot of people were really scared because we had never encountered something like COVID before. And so we were scattered. And then just about the time in 2021, uh, two years ago, just about the time we were getting our traction and getting our feet under us again, starting to gather in person again, we got the news that we had to leave the mothership that we had always been a part of. And we had six months to find a new home. I learned that news in May of 2021. And in June of 2021, I was finally able to share it with the congregation. And here's a very short video clip of the day that I shared that with all of you. Last month after the, the news broke that we were going to need to find a new home for this campus this year, which is if you know anything about the real estate world in Houston, it's, it seems impossible. It seems undoable. And we're going through one of these seasons now as a community where we need God to come through in a big way. We're not on autopilot right now. There is no autopilot for uncharted waters. We're, we're in crunch time. We need a miracle. You know, when you look back on your life and you remember sort of those, um, those moments that are before and after moments, so that six-month period from June to December of 2021 was one of those moments in the story's life. It was like a make-or-break time. We, it was true. That's not a lie. We needed a miracle. 
because it seemed like every deck was stacked against us and we had no idea where we were going. And so from June through October, we were scrambling, but we thought we had a plan. Some of you know this already, and forgive me if it's repeated information, but we had a plan to rent the gymnasium of another church in River Oaks, Bethany Christian Church in River Oaks. That was what we clearly heard God saying that he wanted the story to be at Bethany. And so we were all about it. We got near the finish line with that rental agreement, and then the Bethany congregation decided they didn't want to be landlords to a, to a church like us, I guess. They didn't want to be landlords at all, to be clear. They, they had plans to sell, okay? And so we weren't even an organization at that point in our own right. We were still under the St. Luke's umbrella at that point, so we had no way to buy Bethany at that point. So our plans were scrapped. We, we got the bad news on October 31st of 2021, 60 days before our move date with nowhere to go. And I've talked about how that was the scariest, you know, Halloween of my life. And we got really desperate at that point. And in the spirit of Halloween, we reached out to the owners of the Spirit Halloween store on Shepherd and said, can we worship here? And they said, no. And then, and truth, some of you know, you've seen the email. I showed it, the email is like, the mucky duck. Hey, mucky duck, will you take us? No, no, we won't take us. And we were desperate, desperate for anywhere and just kept having doors slam in our faces. And on October 31st, this was my address, part of my address to the congregation. Today's message is going to take on a little more urgency as we look at the reality that we are 60 days out as of today, Sunday, the 31st of October. We're two months away from a big move for our main campus in River Oaks, um, from the campus of St. Luke's United Methodist Church to somewhere else that I am confident we're going to be able to announce very soon <laughs> where that's gonna be. <laughs> that was a lie, okay? It's one of those, <laughs> if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. That's one of those, you know, we're skidding out of control, but everything's fine kind of lies, you know? I had no idea where we were gonna be and I had no confidence we would know anytime soon, but I told y'all to relax, okay? <laughs> Sorry, okay? And we were all doing our best, you know, and, and we were terrified and everybody in leadership was losing sleep at the story. Gio and I weren't getting a lot of sleep at that point in time. We were just scratching and clawing to avoid the inevitable impending homelessness that awaited us 60 days from then. And uh, after uh, some real desperation and, and long nights of praying, uh, we got some good news at last. And, and uh, we kept telling y'all to wait, that, that we didn't have any information. Y'all thought we were just holding out on you, and, and uh, we weren't. We really didn't know. And that anxiety lasted into the Christmas season until December 6th of 2021, when we were finally able to share the news with y'all. And here's just another final brief clip. God is good. God is always good. He is bigger than our struggles. He's better than our hardships. And he has come through once again. And today I get to share with you, I'm so excited to share with you that uh, God has provided a new home for the story's main campus. And it is perfect. I, I don't know how he did it, but he couldn't have done any better. So um, it is a, an, an old church building that was built in 1939. It is completely empty. It's all ours. It's got almost 15,000 square feet, which is three times as much as we've had at our um, River Oaks campus so far. Um, there's, it's, it's on its own city block in the museum district. 
So just three miles away from our current location and with all kinds of green space around it for the kids to play on and for us to have outdoor gatherings and events. And, and we have a, a next door, a parking garage with 10 levels and almost 200 spots where everybody will have more than enough room to park on Sunday mornings. That was a lie too, but I didn't know it at the time. Okay, just the last part. I didn't know you had to have a Toyota Yaris to park there, okay? You didn't know that until after. Okay, so I, was, I don't know if it's still alive, if it's unintentional or, you know, you're not aware of it, but sorry about that one too, okay? Uh, our time at this campus on Montrose uh, has been a dream come true, really. Um, you know, uh, the first year especially was just a sweet time for our, our church, especially our staff who were really wounded and, and tired to heal and rest. Uh, our leaders, to, we all needed to heal. We were broken by the, the experience of the last you know, year before that. And, and so we needed to heal and get back on mission. You know, from day one, our, the one thing that hasn't changed about the story is our mission, and that's been to inspire non-religious people to follow Jesus. But when you're fighting for your life as a church, you don't know if you have a future at all. It's a little bit easy to get, take your eye off the ball, right? And to get distracted by your own survival rather than your mission. So we were able to get back on mission in the first part of 2022. It was last year, right? Right? <laughs> yeah, I think it was last year. Until August, um, when we started thinking about what's next, we only had a two-year lease here. And so a man who goes to church here called me up and said uh, he's in real estate. He had heard about this church in, back in River Oaks that was on the market, and uh, it's Bethany Christian Church, of course. Y'all know this story, and, and he said he's convinced that needed to be the story's uh, home. We needed to, to buy it. And I said, how do you propose that we do that <laughs> with, you know, seven and a half months of, of financial history? And, uh, and no savings and all of that. And he said, uh, you're always talking about faith, Eric, so let's go. And he pulled a meeting together with all the interested parties. And uh, it's, it's not an understatement to say I, I, I was skeptical of our chances against uh, the lucrative offers uh, developers were, were offering up for that highly coveted um, real estate. Also, there was at least one other uh, established congregation that was already in the, in the bidding process that we did not have the means to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with. And, and yet, many of you know, um, you know uh, it was October of last year when we finally were able to announce that, by the grace of God, the Bethany congregation had accepted uh, the story's offer uh, to acquire this beautiful new place uh, that we will soon call home at 3223 Westheimer Road. Where is it? What's the address? I feel like I've said that about a bazillion times. 3223 Westheimer Road. We immediately began raising money because we didn't have any. And <laughs> true. And y'all remember what a steep climb that was? You remember how many weeks in a row I talked about for such a time as this? And yet God was so faithful and y'all were so generous and we hit our target. And now we're just two days away from taking ownership of this 3.3 acre 40,000 plus square foot facility where there actually is more than enough parking for everyone to park with regular sized cars. You can believe me. Trust me, guys. I'm telling the truth this time. <laughs> and once we're approved by the state of Texas later this summer, we'll take ownership of the Bethany Christian School and keep it going as well. I've been reflecting, guys, on this journey uh, that we've had as a church, all of it, 
the highs and the lows, the breakthroughs and the breakdowns, the, the days I wouldn't change for anything or the days we barely survived. You know, it's like I, I've been thinking about it on the whole and just uh, so affirmed in my spirit about how there's no way, given the chance again, there's no way I wouldn't take this opportunity all over again, even though it's aged me twice as much as it should have, even though it's been stressful and hard at times, it has been, to say it's been worth it is to do it an injustice. It's not even that. Like it's just been this transcendent and awesome and wonderful journey. And it occurred to me that the church's journey is kind of a reflection of my own personal journey with Jesus, and it's a reflection of everyone who takes the time to reflect. When you're following Jesus, take the time to reflect on every moment in your life that's brought you to the one you're in now. And you realize when you look at things, like if, if you're able to see things, not in a vacuum in the minutia of the moment, but as to take a step back, that's kind of what prayer is, to take a step back and see with the perspective of heaven every moment of your life the ones you would love to live again and the ones you didn't think you would survive and how every single one of those moments contributed to the, to the moment you're in now and made this moment possible. And when you realize this moment is not your end point, this isn't your final destination, but even in this moment, even if you're in one of the dark days of your journey, there is a better destination. There is some other place you're going with Jesus and you learn to trust him in every circumstance. When you are able to see your life as one journey with him, instead of, what's the alternative to that? It's all up to you. You've got to make the most of every situation. You've got to make the most of every opportunity. Anytime your life goes wrong, it's, uh, it's on you. You know, it's your fault or it's someone else's fault that your life is ruined, they say. Only when you're with Jesus can your life never be ruined. Because even when death itself comes knocking, it's not like it can win. When you're with Jesus, there's nothing that can shake you to the point of non-existence or to the point of despair and, and absolute you know, despondent depression. There is always reason to hope. That's what God does. And that's who Jesus, what, what Jesus came to show us that he takes us in our past, right? He takes all of our experiences, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and he carves out our present. And in our present, he's preparing us for our future. That's what he's doing with you, or he wants to, if you'll surrender, submit to him and his purposes for your life. Even the moments you would change if you could, right? When you really think about it, you might, you might reconsider that. When I think about the humility that it took to start a church, in a bar with an armadillo for a mascot. Or, or when I think about the humiliation, really, of setting up 450 chairs and no one showing up. You know, all of that wasn't fun, but it has shaped us as a community. It's shaped me, I know, as a leader. It's shaped our culture to be more humble, to be more grateful for the days when there aren't enough chairs, to be more grateful for the possibility of having our own place instead of, you know, being renters or being at the, at the disposal of, you know, landlords or whatever, like to have our own platform on which to grow. How could we not be grateful for that? Well, I'll tell you how you can not be grateful for something is have, you know, everything given to you with no struggle your whole life. Sometimes the struggle is where we grow. The struggle is what prepares us 
to overcome and to be grateful for the good times. And it occurs to me that without all of those times when when people were getting baptized, lining up to be baptized and receive Jesus, and all those times when no one showed up, God was preparing us, preparing us to rejoice for the good days, preparing us to overcome the trials and troubles of today and tomorrow, because those days will inevitably come when we need to rely on him. That's just how God works through every season. One thing that Luke's gospel has shown us through the life of Jesus is that with Jesus, there are no accidents. With Jesus, there is no luck. With Jesus, there's only blessing and intention. So Jesus showed us that God always works on purpose. He always is on task, and he's always on time, friends. Okay, so uh, what we're, what we're going to look at now is, uh, is the, last, or the last four verses of the Gospel of Luke. Before we read those four verses, I'll share with you a quote from one of my favorite authors, Christian authors, G.K. Chesterton, who said this about Jesus' lifestyle while he walked the earth. He said, the life of Jesus went as swift and as straight as a thunderbolt, almost in the manner of a military march certainly in the manner of the quest of a hero moving to his achievement or his doom. Jesus always moved and spoke on purpose. He does the same thing with us today. So let's look at how this great book called Luke ends after 23 weeks of journeying through it. Let's see how Luke saw fit to put a bow on this story about Jesus's life. Luke chapter 24, verses 50 to 53. When Jesus had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, there it is. That was not planned, by the way, but it works. To the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. The end. Okay, this story is commonly called the ascension of Jesus, but it's something that is so easy to overlook about Jesus's life on the earth. I mean, how many sermons have you heard about the ascension of Jesus versus the birth of Jesus or the death of Jesus or the resurrection of Jesus? I would guess maybe for every sermon about those events in Jesus's life, you know, for every hundred of those, you've heard one ascension sermon. Why? Is it just a throwaway thing at the end? Is it just Luke's way of putting a neat little bow on the gospel? No, It's because this is the climax of the whole thing. This is the the culmination of Jesus' entire plan. It's all been leading up to this. Now, because preachers emphasize other things more, whether it's the birth of Jesus, the incarnation, or the, the death of Jesus on the cross, the atonement, or whether it's the resurrection of Jesus, Easter, right? You've probably got the, uh, the idea that that's, where, that's what Jesus came to do. He lived and died and rose, and that's why he came. God bless y'all, go home. Wait, there's more, right? He lived 
and died and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. And this is a point that should not be overlooked. It's the most underrated part of Jesus' life on the earth. And I think part of it is because it's just a little weird for us to picture Jesus like flying away. Like, how did that, that happen? Like, was he, like, zapped up? Did he grow wings? Like, what, what exactly? And we get caught up in the semantics, and those aren't really important. The point is that Jesus didn't just come to live and die and ra- be raised from the dead. If that were the case, he would not have gone to heaven. He would have continued to lead his disciples and his movement in the flesh. But the end game was the ascension, at least for this age we're in now. By his ascension, Colossians 1 and Hebrews 1 tells us that Jesus didn't just go to heaven. He went to heaven and sat down. And he didn't just need a break, but he sat down on the throne. Why? Because that's what kings do. He sat down to reign over his kingdom. He sat down and commissioned his spirit to come and guide his church. And he sat down so that the leaders he had been pouring his heart and soul into for three years of ministry, so they could take the reins and run. Jesus' trust of his movement into the hands of idiots like me and us, like, is maybe the most miraculous thing in the Bible. Somebody once told me, like, the, the best evidence for the truth of the gospel is that how poorly human beings have done with managing it and how many times we have messed up and wound up in negative headlines and misrepresented who Jesus is and yet the gospel continues to, to spread the world over in spite of us. Jesus wanted to empower those believers to take the ball and run with it. And did you see how this ended? It said, uh, after he left them and was taken up to heaven, they worshiped him, and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Keep in mind, these are the same people who the last time Jesus went away, when he died, when he died at the crucifixion, they cowered in fear behind closed doors. And this wasn't like years before these events. This was days, hours before these events took place. What changed in them? I don't know, more time with Jesus. And when you spend more time with Jesus, you find your fear and your shame about your failures start to fade. Simon Peter, who just days before wept bitterly and quit, he turned in his credentials as a disciple. He quit being a disciple. He walked away from Jesus. By now, by this point, he's been restored and set up as a leader of the church. He gives the first sermon in the book of Acts, as we'll see in the fall when we go through the book of Acts. The first sermon in 3,000 people converted to Christianity. They followed Jesus that day. What transformed these mediocre fishermen And these women and these children that Jesus included in his movement, what made them so courageous? The journey. The journey with Jesus. You know, every moment he spent with them was intentional. From the moments that he called them on the shore to follow him, at the beginning of Luke, 
to the moments that he taught them how to pray, as we talked about a few months ago, the moments when he sent them out two by two, and then they came back and, and gave reports and he encouraged them, the moments that he reprimanded them, the moments that he gave them cool nicknames like The Rock, the moments that he scolded them and called them Satan. You know, it's like all of it, all of it was intentional. Even the moments when he stole away to pray was intentional teaching time that Jesus was pouring into his disciples. Even the moments Jesus took time to rest, taking naps in boats. I like Jesus taking naps in boats. I love taking naps in boats. That's my savior right there. But even then, it seems like it's random and unnecessary, but even then he's teaching his disciples about the importance of rest. Jesus is the quintessential leader of people. And leaders always prepare their followers to carry on without them in the flesh. And that's what Jesus had been doing all along. And when they were ready, he rose to the heavens and took his seat, his rightful place on the throne. And then they continually worshiped him in the temple, praising God. I used to make fun of people who say, praise God in casual conversations. Well, something has changed because I did a word search of my text threads this week and in the last six months, I have said, praise God, 1,200 times. <laughs> it's my favorite thing to say. Great sermon today, Eric. Praise God. Right? Wow, it's cool about Bethany, Eric. Praise God. Man, uh, my brother has finally come back to Jesus, Eric. Praise God. I'm really struggling. I'm looking for God, but I don't feel him anywhere. You know what? Keep praising God. There's something that is so core to the Christian identity that, that in every season of life, the good and bad of every part of the journey, you continually praise God. You don't even have to go to church anymore to do it or to the temple, as it were, then, because when the Holy Spirit was poured out, guess where the temple went? In every believer's heart. And you are the embodiment of God's temple now. You can praise him in the temple wherever you go. This is the point of Jesus's mission in the gospel of Luke. The whole thesis of Luke's gospel is that God has a plan for your life, and it is to praise God and bring him glory, to serve him and know him and love him and share all of that with the world around you and the people around you and help others to see that they're living on purpose too, or they can, that Jesus can be the Lord of their lives too. And that when he is, if you surrender, if you submit, if you let him become the Lord of your life, no matter what you're going through, no matter what tomorrow brings, when you're with Jesus, you'll be able to take it. You'll be able to overcome it. He'll be able to see you through. Praise God, his promises are true. I've told y'all before, we were so certain back in 2021 that the Lord was telling us Bethany was the place the story was supposed to be. That's where he wanted us. He told my wife, Pastor Gio, very clearly, that's where my friends were because it's Mary and Martha's and Lazarus's home. That's where my friends lived, and that's where you'll be too. Bethany was just symbolically this certainty, and then it went away. 
And in those times when it went away, it would be real easy for us to just say, well, maybe God isn't always right. Maybe his promises aren't always true. Maybe when we sing these songs, you'll never let me down. We just sort of mean it. When you learn to wait on the Lord and trust in him, you begin to see that even the seasons of darkness are just seasons of waiting, really. And what it means is that all the ways this world tries to convince you to look at things, like, like, like when, you know, single people, when, when the dating apps convince you or, or culture convinces you that you'll find fulfillment and peace one day when you find the one. And Jesus is like, I'm, I've been here all along, and you can have fulfillment and peace now and forever in me. Whether anyone else wants you or not, Jesus says, I want you. And whenever you face rejection or loneliness in this life, when you see the grand scheme of your journey in Christ, you understand that even the struggle is just preparation to be grateful for the fulfillment that is to come. And when he fulfills you, you realize the emptiness you once felt can't hold a candle to the fulfillment you have in him, and it is forever. That's what it means to let Jesus be the Lord of your life, to let him determine your steps, and dictate your destination. So here we are at the end of this journey through the Gospel of Luke. And I can't help but believe that there are decisions that need to be made. As we have become more acquainted with Jesus, some of you maybe for the first time, gotten to know Jesus a little bit more and what he came to do and how he came for you. You're standing at a fork in the road. You can go back. You can run away from him. You can go your own way, or you can go with Jesus today. And I pray you'll have the courage of the disciples in this story from the end of Luke to go home today praising God because there is no one else and nothing else in your life that's worth hanging your hat on or giving your praise to other than him. And when you live your life praising God, everything else comes into focus. Even the dark times begin to make sense because his promises are always true, and he is always good. Let's pray. Lord, in this room right now, there is such a combination and, and uh, a mixture of uh, experiences and mindsets, as some of us have had, you know, great weeks, and we're coming down from a high of sorts. And it's easy to praise you in these moments. And yet others in our congregation are in a different frame of mind. I know of one beloved sister who is losing her brother in this very moment. She's holding his hand at his bedside and he is crossing over into glory. I pray that you bring her comfort and bring anyone else in this room who's suffering with the same kind of pain and feelings of loss with comfort as well. And there are others in this room who are just covered with shame. Decisions made on repeat, mistakes and bad choices, Lord, that have just been such a pattern in our lives that we haven't been able to get out of and we're ashamed and we feel like in a way we shouldn't even be at church because we don't belong here. We haven't walked the walk. Lord, remind us of your grace and how tender your mercy is. Lord, I pray that you would bring us all to that decision point right now. 
Even if we're already following you, may, may we take this moment to decide to follow you more closely and make you the only Lord of our life and not just one of many. And for those who might not know you yet, but they are right on the brink, on the precipice of a decision, I pray for a breakthrough right now. Lord, Holy Spirit, would you move and break down the walls of resentment, pride, guilt, and whatever else is holding us back from fully receiving you and making you the king of our hearts. We thank you for the journey you've taken us on as a church and as individuals. We receive you as our Lord and Savior right now. Jesus, it's in your powerful name that we pray and in the power of your spirit. Amen.